Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Partido Partido Podcast, the English-speaking podcast about all things Atleti. Uh, Atleti had a, an awesome opportunity this week uh, to uh, extend their lead uh, in the fourth position uh, to go uh, six points ahead of Real Betis uh, as uh, Betis lost at home against Elche. Uh, unfortunately, in a typical Atletico Madrid fashion, they could not capitalize on that and uh, they fell to a goalless draw uh, at home against Granada. Uh, so uh, we are here to talk uh, about that and, of course, uh, to talk about the upcoming uh, uh, match for the uh, Juneville A team uh, in the semi-final of the UEFA Youth League. And joining me for today's episode is Bear. Uh, thanks for coming today, Bear. Uh, yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Hi, Taha. Uh, my pleasure being here and thanks for having me welcome welcome aboard to the podcast and very happy to have you on uh unfortunately emmanuel could not make it today so uh, it'll just be the two of us so let's get right into it uh starting with the granada game uh bear can you please give us your thoughts about this game uh i would say it's kind of frustrating isn't it so uh i think that atleti was actually on one hand, Atleti was actually creating chance, and, but on the other hand, I don't think they have even one shot on goal. It was just this one. 
uh, shot by Kunya that uh, hit the post and Griezmann and Korea each has one shot that was wide but other than that they don't have much clear chance so even though it looks like they are creating chance they don't actually have a good uh, clear chance so yeah, it's really frustrating for me because and I don't think anyone really plays bad as well uh, like everyone is playing quite good but yeah just result is really not good somehow confusing game for me and how do you think about it yeah i absolutely agree uh i mean the the uh the team dominated the game uh for most of uh, most of the uh, 90 minutes uh and while uh, they did create uh chances it felt like the final pass was missing for ma- the majority of the game uh, of course, Granada, uh, credit to them, they defended well. Uh, but uh, Atleti's best chances came uh, at shots from outside the box. Uh, we had Griezmann and Correa both came close uh, early in the second half. Uh, and of course, there was that shot from Rodrigo de Paul uh, in the first half, uh, which uh, was saved by the keeper. Uh, other than that, like you said, uh, the Konya chance was the only one uh, that was actually threatening. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, like you said, uh, none of the players uh, were particularly poor, but overall, uh, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, many of them were spectacular uh, either. Uh, so, uh, this comes, uh, you know, as a uh, another game uh, against the bottom side that Atleti has struggled against. Uh, of course, uh, we had uh, four teams from the bottom five, and it's Mallorca, Levante, uh, now uh, Granada, and uh, there was... Alaves. Yeah, uh, yeah, so Atleti only picked up two points out of possible 21 uh, against these teams. Uh, what is it about these teams that makes it so hard for Atleti to break down? Uh, yeah, I check, uh, and I think it's. Uh, I, I think the team is. Uh, the teams are Mallorca, Alaves, Levante, and Granada, right? The four teams. And I think they they take not two points but uh, five points because they won again Alaves, and uh, they draw once again Levante and once against Granada. But yeah, yeah correct, I, correct, yeah. Yeah, so I think it was five points, but yeah, not much better. Uh, it's a bit confusing as well because I think the in the earlier Simeone era, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I'm already uh, a bit forgot, but I think Atleti usually has good uh, results against teams that was uh, in the bottom uh, of the leagues. So I remember at that time, I think Atleti has difficulties against Girona or against uh, who is it called back in 13-14 I forgot I think Almeria or something like that yeah yeah Almeria yeah but I think in general Atleti wasn't the type of team that was usually have difficulties against uh, the bottom team uh, so yeah, I saw as well that uh, there is possibilities that maybe because the bottom teams are playing deep blocks i genuinely forgot if all of 
this for Mallorca, Alaves, Levante, and Granada are actually playing deep block. But it might be because of uh, mentality issue because Atleti hasn't been uh, winning against Levante since quite some times, I think. And they might be a bit nervous every time they play against Levante. But yeah, I I I but I I forgot about the Mallorca team about the Granada game yesterday. I think Granada plays a bit of deep block, but not quite of a deep block because I remember we start off the attack quite a lot from the back, so like from Hermoso and from uh, Safik and so on. For so my summary, I guess for Levante it might be mentality issue, but for the other three, I'm not quite sure. What do you think about this? Uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Atleti are struggling a lot uh, to uh, break down deep locks, and uh, there, there's a bit of irony there that uh, a team that can, uh, you know, defend so well in deep locks uh, struggles to break them down. Uh, but I think the main reason behind, uh, you know, uh, Atleti struggles against uh, teams that defend so well. Uh, is the lack of creativity in midfield uh, in the matches against them. Uh, we had uh, Thomas Lamar uh, last season. Uh, he, he helped a lot to break uh, such teams, uh, to unlock the, the defense of the, such teams. Uh, but this season, uh, you know, so far, I mean, he was injured for most of the season, but uh, also he left uh, a lot to be desired in, in uh, most of the games he played. Uh, of course, uh, Rodrigo de Paul, uh, another player which uh, you know can uh, add a lot of creativity to the team. Uh, but uh, you know, yesterday he wasn't uh, at the top of his game. Uh, Koke as well, uh, you know, hasn't been his best season. So uh, yeah, uh, there hasn't been there hasn't been a consistent creative outlet uh, in in midfield. Uh, to help athlete, to help the attackers uh, get those chances to to play the final pass uh, uh, into the into the box. Uh, what what do you think of this? Now you said this. Uh, I agree because I remember uh, in a yesterday game uh, they show like uh, the number of chances that comes from the left flank, from the middle, and from the right flank, and like most of the chances are only from the left flank and uh, from the right flank. And from the middle, there is barely any chances. And I agree with you as well that my perfect, uh, my perfect midfield is one is Lamar, one is Llorente, and one is the pivot. So either Koke or Kondogbia or someone else. But yeah, for me, kind of missing Lamar, kind of missing Llorente as a midfield, and this might be the uh, the biggest problem we have. Very well. Uh, so uh, this uh, leaves Atletico uh, in uh, currently second place, but uh, of course Barca have two games in hand, Sevilla have one game in hand. Uh, they're one point ahead of them, uh, and they're four points ahead of uh, Real Betis, who are in fifth place. Uh, and uh, the upcoming five matches for Atleti are quite tough uh, to finish the season. You have uh, Athletic Club, you have Real Sociedad, you have Sevilla, you have Real Madrid, and you have Elche. Uh, so, uh, what do you think, uh, how, how do you think uh, yesterday's result, uh, how does it affect Atleti's hopes uh, in finishing in the top four? Uh, I, I, I'm kind of afraid to 
thinking about that because uh, it's not the best place right now. It's only four points above Betis and at least three points, at least three points above uh, Real Sociedad for uh, this match day. I think Atleti is still quite good. I would still give like more than 50% chance will uh I, I don't know what is the uh I, I know that Atleti the last five games they have Sevilla, Real Sociedad and Real Madrid at, at least and how many games left? Is it five or six? I forgot. It is five, yeah. So uh Atletic Bilbao, Real Madrid, uh I forgot uh, and then Sevilla uh, and Real Sociedad. Elche. Elche. Okay, so Four of the five, four out of the five is really difficult. Uh, not saying LJ is not difficult because Atleti has been losing against teams from the bottom league as well. Uh, and Real Madrid, I I don't remember the last time Atleti wins against Real Madrid in La Liga. So yeah, I I was it just hoping. <laughs> so I was just hoping. Kind of pessimistic. I kind of hoping the other team did worse than Atleti. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean the uh, the uh, upcoming matches for Betis aren't uh, very easy either. Uh, they have uh, Getafe, uh, Barcelona, Valencia, Granada, and Real Madrid. Uh, so uh, I mean Atleti don't uh, need uh, to you know, win all of the games, they just have to do better than uh, the other teams. Uh, but at the same time, you can't really uh, depend on that. Uh, you need to uh, try, take it uh, match by match, and, you know, uh, hopefully Atleti can uh, pull it off. Okay, so uh, moving on, uh, the the next uh, topic I'd like to talk about is the, uh, you know, uh, the quality of some of the players uh, this season. Uh, especially compared uh, to the uh, to last season, the league winning campaign, uh, there are a lot of players I'd like uh, to talk about. But uh, today I'll just want to focus on Marcos Llorente. Uh, last season uh, he was definitely uh, one of the best players, uh, not only in uh, the squad but also in uh, in La Liga and in Europe. Uh, had uh, I think uh, 21 goal contributions uh, between goals and assists. Uh, that figure has uh, went down to only two assists this season. Uh, so, what wh- what do you think? What's the reason behind uh, this massive drop uh, from Marcos Llorente? Uh, yes, um, the obvious answer I would say is one is the position, and the second one is Trippier. Uh, and it's hard to make other assumptions because these are already two big things that was changing very big for him. Uh, of course, playing be, uh, from attacking midfielder and right back is really different. And also having someone that was totally in sync with you, like Trippier, suddenly gun is also very big uh, changes. So I'm not sure if there is other issue, maybe physical or tired. Maybe he's tired. I don't know. But I don't want to make that assumption because it's already too... Uh, factors are already very big factors why he might be uh, have these massive drops. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he's probably the the most fit person on planet Earth, as Sam uh, pointed out uh, last week. 
but uh, I think uh, definitely the those changes uh, do affect uh, players a lot. But uh, for Llorente, uh you know, there there there's something off about him. Like uh, there's. It looks like the opposite of what we saw last season. Uh, some some of the uh, crosses he uh, he played last season always found uh, the the player uh, in the box. Uh, this season he's struggling a lot with that. It seems like uh, I mean he he can his runs are still pretty good, but he can't seem to to find any players with his crosses. Uh, and of course uh, his shots. Uh, it seemed like every shot he had last season ended up in a goal. Uh, this season, uh, he's yet to score. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there, there's something off about him uh, other than, uh, you know, the, the position change and losing Trippier. Uh, do you think it, sh- it could be like a confidence problem or uh, did he just peak in, in that one season? Yes, uh, now you said this. Uh... Last season, there are lots of, I, I agree with you, there are lots of shots that doesn't look like it will go to goal, but somehow it's just uh, becoming a goal. And this season, those kind of like fluke doesn't happen anymore. And about the crosses itself, I wonder if not having, not only Trippier, but uh, Suarez is not playing a lot, I guess, this year, right? I was wondering yeah. maybe because not having Suarez as the target man, making him, uh, making his job a bit difficult. Because yesterday it's so clear that neither uh, Korea. I think yesterday the setup was Korea was the uh, uh, what is it center forward and uh, Griezmann was a bit deeper than that, so the second striker. And from yesterday, I think it's very clear that Korea doesn't have like the positioning of Suarez, so. Usually, every Suarez always in the right position at the right time. It's just yesterday, somehow Korea that is not that person. Maybe that is another factor as well. Yeah, and uh, I think that's another reason why Atleti are struggling against deep blocks uh, this season, uh, lacking a, a a true number nine other than Luis Suarez, uh, who's struggling physically. Uh, I mean, when when you're playing against a team who's defending like that, you can, uh, when you have a, a number nine, you can maybe spam crosses or just uh, uh, throw the ball forward and hope hope he can uh, be a, a an aerial threat or something like that. Uh, Atleti don't have uh, that type of player this season. And uh, when Luis Suarez came on yesterday, he uh, he played quite well and you know uh, almost uh, created uh, plenty of chances uh, so i do think uh, atleti have struggled uh, with that uh, because of that this season yes i i think so as well i think yesterday is the game that suarez should play but yeah i i thought i think uh, cholo might think that uh, suarez is not Totally cannot play from the start anymore, so, but yeah. Very well. Uh, so, uh, there are a lot of topics I'd like to talk about uh, for the senior team as well, but uh, for today, I'd like uh, to talk about the uh, the youth team, uh, the uh, Atletico Madrid Ju- Juvenile A in, uh, in specific. Uh, 
they're uh, currently in the uh, semi-final of the UEFA Youth League. Uh, tomorrow they have a game against uh, Red Bull Salzburg and uh, they're uh, top of the league uh, in, uh, of course, in the, uh, you know, the league for the uh, youth teams. Uh, so uh, I'd just like uh, to talk uh, to talk a little bit about them, uh, I'll uh, say, uh, you know, the the players who started the last game against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, you have uh, Etorbe in goal, uh, Navarro, Camara and Costis in defense, uh, Diez and Cornell uh, on, uh, as fullbacks. You have Barrios, uh, Curras and uh, Gismera in midfield. Uh, Carlos Martin, who we saw on the bench quite a few times in attack. Uh, next to uh, Al Jabari, uh, so uh, uh, Bear, you you follow the uh, the youth players more than uh, most people, so you should be familiar with uh, with those players. Uh, who do you think uh, stands out the most uh, out of these youngsters? Uh, well, the most popular name in uh, currently, I would say, is Salim, right? But I generally think. Uh, the team itself doesn't have one main man. It's more, it's literally uh, more of a team for me. So, yes, Salim is probably the most popular right now. But Navarro is very important. Even uh, Javier Curas, I think, is the uh, top scorer right now. And lots of really good player. Listen to really good players like Sergio Diaz, the right back. I really like uh, Sergio Diaz. Uh, I like Kamara as well. So uh, I about the standout players, I would say Salim is the most popular. But it's more about the team itself for the ju the the current juvenile ah uh, uh, this year. Uh, so uh, do you think Salim uh, out of these players has the best chance to make it maybe in the future uh, into the first team? Ah. Attacking midfielder or like creative player is, I think, always have difficult. Uh, from the academy, the creative players from academy, I think, always have difficult. Uh, have difficulties to break into the first team, right? So like, uh, Oliver Torres or Mario Soriano or, uh, I don't know, Tony Moya start as a. Attacking midfielder as well, although he literally changed into central midfield. But even though Salim is very popular, for me it's still uh, the creative players, the attacking players have uh, more difficulties to break into the first team. For now, I would say the one that has the, just based on how I see uh, they are currently, I would say Kamara. Kamara is, I think Kamara can be a, a literally Cholo type player, but currently his game is still not clean, so I think he still makes too many simple mistakes, so it's still some way to go, but if I see, the, if I just see like who is more Cholo type player, I would say Kamara. Do you, do you have any other name, probably? Um, 
Okay. Uh, of course, uh, there's the uh, the captain uh, Navarro. Uh, I mean, we uh, I I saw uh, his stats the other day, and uh, he seems uh, like a really good uh, ball playing center back who can also uh, defend, you know, in a very solid way. So, uh, do you think uh, he can? We can see him in defense in the future. So yes. Uh, about Navarro, I like he's a literal uh, ball playing center back, right? I like him. Uh, although my main concern is his, I don't think is quite tall uh, as a center back for first division. So I was thinking if he can play as a full back or as a defensive midfielder, maybe he has he will have a better chance. I don't know. Maybe Cholo. I I don't know what is his height actually because every time I saw him, I think he's not the tallest. And yeah, that is one. Uh, I I think Navarro also has good chance. Although I think he will have a better chance if he plays as a fullback or a defensive midfielder. Very well. So. Uh, a, a lot of other uh, promising players uh, there are in the team. Uh, of course, uh, there was the hero against uh, Real Madrid, uh, Barrios in midfield, uh, and Coras, the hero against Dortmund, uh, both of which uh, uh, were the goal scorers uh, that sent Atleti uh, through uh, next round. Uh, this is the first time uh, that Atleti make it to the semi-final of the UEFA Youth League. Uh, they have reached the quarterfinal uh, three times before that. Uh, so, uh, what what uh, what do you think about uh, tomorrow's game against Salzburg? Uh, how likely do you find it that they go through? Uh, I think Salzburg is one of the biggest names in the Youth League, right? Uh, I think they won just two years ago or something like that. So, Atleti will be the underdog, and I think Ores has set up this team to play as an as as an underdog the whole season, even more than uh, the previous coaches. I think Ores is the more pragmatic and the more defense, the most defensive compared to the previous coaches. So I think Atleti has chance just because uh, this team already know how to play as a as an underdog and. Uh, uh, the Salzburg is uh, themselves is uh, one of the biggest name in the youth league. Uh, very well. So uh, it's it's nice to see the uh, that spirit, the underdog spirit, also in the in the youth team, uh, continuing with uh, Fernando Torres. Uh, and speaking of the man, uh, what 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 do you think of Torres? Uh, this is his first season as a coach. Uh, what what are your thoughts about him so far? So I have two thoughts. One is based on the result I- itself, and the other is based on the style of play. Based on the result, I would say more or less he achieved what was expected. So uh, I was, uh, I think I, I was checking the stats uh, several months ago, and I think uh, Atletico this juvenile. A team uh, won the league five times in the past ten years. So, if they win this year, that is good. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they reached the Copa del Rey final uh, in the past uh, four years and won two of them. And currently in the Copa del Rey, they lost in the quarterfinal. So that one is not good. Uh, but yeah, in the UEFA Youth League, uh, they reached uh, three times quarterfinal in the past six years. But this is the first time they achieved a uh, semifinal. So I would say based on results, uh, more or less he achieved what uh, he's supposed to achieve because yeah, the, the, the standard that uh, the juvenile A team set is really high. They won the league half the time the past 10 years and they reached the Copa del Rey finals every time the past four years and won two of them. So yeah, it's very high standards, but more or less right now Torres achieved it. So that is based on the uh, result, but based on the style of play itself, if we see like the youth league, the UEFA youth league games, or we see the statistics from the Liga, so not the UEFA youth league, but from the their league, which is this division de honor juvenile. Uh, I would say this team is the most pragmatic, the most defensive teams compared to the previous seasons. So yeah, that is my uh, opinion of Torres so far. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to see at least one more year of Torres uh, because the one that I'm curious the most is because you know in uh, teams every year you change the players. The the player is going to the next uh, um, age category. So next year with new set of players is Torres going to play the same way or will he be more attacking or something like that yeah like you said it's still early days to judge him uh, to judge his, his ability to coach and like you said the standards are very high for uh, the juvenile A team uh, like you said they uh, win the league a lot and uh, uh, they're they're very successful uh, in uh, domestically. Uh, so the the biggest credit uh, to Fernando Torres is his uh, uh, his achievements in the uh, UEFA Youth League, and uh, we'll see if he can uh, uh, reach the final and maybe go all the way. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, we'll, it's still early to to judge his uh, ability to coach, uh, and you know we'll see more of him in the future. Uh, so the final uh, thing I'd like uh, to uh, talk to you about is the uh, youth system uh, for Atletico Madrid. Uh, it has been a while since we saw a player uh, from the academy break into the first team. Uh, yesterday we had to, uh, Serrano uh, starting for the first time and Giuliano Simeone uh, making his debut. Uh, so, uh, but most of the other academy players uh, go on loan, and uh, uh, you know most of them don't really uh, get a a chance in the first team. Uh, so, w- what are your thoughts uh, about this? Uh, yes. Uh, so, I actually thought the generation of uh, class of two thousand and onwards so uh 2000 means uh they bo- they will they were born in 2000 uh and yeah i i thought the generation of 2000 2001 so it was like salomon obama 
Oyeho, Cameo, Ariel Soriano, and so on. I thought, I thought this would be the golden generation. So I, I was expecting someone was already take into the team at first. But uh, of course, uh, back then it was they were still uh, a kid, so it's difficult to judge. So. Yeah, I was expecting that someone was already break into the team because the last time uh, was, I think, Lucas. Yes, Lucas, right? It was 96. 96 was yeah. Lucas. And literally, after that, only uh, Theo Hernandez that actually will break the, into the team, but he left. Uh, after that, no one really has legit chance and uh on one thing i think that uh uh, uh what is it called the competition itself to break into the team much difficult if we remember back in lucas time at that time uh i think the def- defender is only three so it was only the center back it was only three beside him so it was only godin Jimenez and Miranda, and the next year it was only Godin, Jimenez, and Safik. So it he was only uh, competing with three others defenders, mm-hmm. and same with Koke's time. I would say, well, it was difficult, but I think right now the the standard of the first team itself is m- much higher. That it's much more difficult to break into the first team. Yeah, but uh, uh, you know the uh, I I do think Simeone has given a chance to the uh, players that deserved it. Uh, that's something that uh, you know some people you know don't give enough credit for uh, Simeone for, and you know sometimes use it against him. Uh, but I do think he has given uh, the uh, the players that deserved it a chance. Uh, however, uh, the biggest complaint uh, that uh, I think is legitimate. Uh, is that Atleti can't seem to find uh, a very good loan move for uh, most of the youngsters. Uh, wh- what do you think about the uh, the loan moves for maybe Cameo and uh, Rikelmi in recent seasons? Yes, I try to remember like the past. Uh, so Lucas doesn't have loan move. Koke wasn't loan. Uh, Theo Hernandez was loan. Lucas, uh, sorry, Saul was loan. Yeah. So like some was loan and some some were loans and some were not loan and this year uh I I I I think uh, for Roro I thought at the time I thought it was the correct move to go into the second division of uh uh what is it called Premier League English yeah. uh but because I I, I at the time kind of comparing to how Diogo Yota did in the second division there and I thought Roro might have a chance there turns out it doesn't work I think Moyeho they they uh, put him in the first uh, division too fast and I don't think Etafe at that time is the correct team for him I think Manu has the best loan Manu has the best loan Uh, and Cameo right now has a good loan as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fifty-fifty for me. Yeah, 
some has a good loan some the uh, didn't get lots of it we know with loan lots of it is uh, more we are betting like we are betting whether the loan team actually will play them or not very well uh, so uh, i'd really love uh, to see cameo and uh, rikelmi uh, loan to a first division team uh, next season as they have succeeded very beautifully uh, in segunda this season uh, manu sanchez uh, who's uh, at osasuna uh, is also doing well uh, i do think uh, another year on loan would would suit him uh, what, what do you think so uh, i think manu is ready for first team is if actually one of uh, lodi or Arasco is leaving. I think he will be decent as a wing left wing back in uh, back three. For Cameo, yeah, I agree. Uh, and Roro, oh, I agree. Both should uh, get another loan. Mm. Well. Not, uh... um, so yeah, this brings us to the end of today's episode. Uh, if unless you wanna add anything. To- uh, yes, I just want to thank you and also Emmanuel uh, for uh, creating this podcast because, yeah, it's great to have a podcast that was uh, for Atleti that the English-speaking people also understand. Thank you very much. Uh, and, of course, thank you for uh, accepting our invitation today. Uh, thank you for joining me and uh, had a lot of fun talking to you. Yes, my pleasure. Very well. And uh, of course, thank you guys for uh, sticking with us. Remember, nunca dejes de care and see you in the next episode.